It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. With some of the hubbub around Cody Epps and the NCAA transfer portal dying down for BYU, had an interesting conversation with somebody about the reality for football players that we'll talk about. And also, DraftKings sets the over-under win total for BYU football this fall and should be very familiar to those of you who listen and or watch this podcast. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you for making us a part of your routine and being an everydayer with us here on your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Diving right in on today's show, but a quick reminder that today's show is brought to you by our title sponsor at FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, diving right in on today's show, and obviously the Cody Epps situation had a lot of us just this time last week all up in arms, yours truly included, just wondering what exactly went down, how things were playing out, and what it might mean for BYU and their football program going on into this fall and on into the future. I had an interesting conversation over the past, I'd say, three or four days uh, with somebody that I'll I'll call, to respect their wishes, I'm going to just call them a source, had a great conversation with them about how things are going in the transfer portal for BYU football players, and it's not just specific to BYU football players. This goes essentially for every other college football program out there, Probably save probably for the true big dogs, what I'm talking about, like the Alabamas of the world. We're talking like the truly elite of the elite that have the most money, the most resources. They might be a little exempted from this. But the conversation that we had was going back and forth on the reality of what BYU football players face, and it's involving how the transfer portal has really just caused all kinds of issues when it comes to guys staying loyal to their football programs. They are being given all kinds of pressure from people outside of the program, whether they're representing a certain school maybe or they're just an entity of their own they are pressuring these young men to a large large degree to simply jump into the transfer portal with a promise of a sum of money no matter what the sum is that'll be paid out the second they hit the transfer portal and in some cases it's like a, it's like a advance like it's like a signing bonus in a way that if they do that and then join whatever program that this person is representing or at least has some influence uh, with they would get more money with that with regards to NIL. And it's a, it's a very, very shady business, folks. And I'm talking, you can have out-and-out people from other universities uh, or representing other universities doing this. This can be agents uh, trying to build up a, a third-party type situation where it comes to representing these young men uh, with regards to NIL and potentially their professional futures. But it's just, it, it's causing undue stress on the family, the friends, and even the athletes themselves because it's causing all of these people to get hounded almost relentlessly about like, if you have a player of any type of uh, rapport uh, who can go out there and play that people think can uh, obviously contribute to a football program, they are getting getting all kinds of attention and it's a lot of it unwelcome. That's the thing about this. Is the, the conversation I had was to kind of reiterate how unwelcome some of this attention is. A lot of these parents, these athletes themselves, 
They're out there trying to compete and live their dreams as football players. For the vast majority of them, if not all of them, that dream is to be a professional football player in the NFL one day. Uh, I feel like sometimes in all of this NIL madness that's going on, and this was part of the conversation we had, is that the the sight of the, I guess, the end goal being the NFL for these athletes, and for the vast majority, yes, it will not be the NFL. Let me be very, very upfront about this. But there's sometimes, uh, like, there's like a, people are falling short short of the vision they had for themselves at the outset of their collegiate career as all of this pressure, like I said, a lot of it undue and unnecessary is causing them to think, I got to go out and get mine right now. Now, NIL can obviously set up these young men and young women uh, in the women's side of, of these athletic departments with money that could be seed money for their future, whether that's a down payment on a home, uh, starting a business venture they've had a dream for, setting up their family to take care of their family in the interim while they chase the dream of playing professional sports. I, I get all of that. But too many times, and th- this was part of that conversation, is that there are athletes who are uh, settling for chasing the biggest dollar or dollar in the NIL sphere, whereas maybe uh, honing their craft, perfecting what they can do at the collegiate level with the hope of making, in this case, it'd be hundreds of, thousand do- hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially at the collegiate level versus millions of dollars at the NFL level. Hopefully all of this is making sense because it was just, it was a very enlightening conversation. And I, I, this was unsolicited information that was passed along to me. And I truly appreciate those who've reached out. And I've heard bits and pieces of this, but this, this one individual conversation, I was like, man, I got, I really got to kind of hone in on this and talk about this because I think there's a, there's a missing element in all of this with regards to the NIL sphere is that it is causing a lot of distraction in terms of off the field. Could that affect guys on field production because they're distracted with some of the off the field situations with regards to maybe their family member telling them, Hey, I've got this person promising this amount of money. If you do this, et cetera, that type of stuff obviously could divert their attention away from what they actually should be focusing on. And that is their actual on field performance with the dreams of making in essence, generational type money, generational wealth at the NFL level, potentially versus making Pretty good money in the here and now. I know, trust me, and not everybody's financial situation is the same. I'm very, very aware of that. I, I I don't begrudge any young man, young woman, anybody out there who has the opportunity to go out and make money via their name, image, and likeness to do that. I'm not saying that they shouldn't do that. I'm All I'm trying to pass along is the reality that it is causing issues in terms of diverting attention away from the goal, the goal or the goals at hand, and that mainly is the on-field work that needs to be done by these student-athletes because of all the other off-the-field distractions. Am I an advocate for NIL going away? No. I think NIL is absolutely something that should be part of the collegiate calculus. All these athletes have earned the right in a billion dollar business, I said that with a B, billion dollar business, to benefit themselves financially for the work they're doing out there on the football field, the baseball diamond, the basketball court, whatever uh, arena or playing surface these athletes compete on. But at the same time, there is a shady, sleazy, uh, just unwholesome side of this that is really kind of rearing its ugly head and it's sad to say that it's even affecting athletes as close to home for those of you as at BYU this person I was telling me gave me very specific examples of different athletes some of them uh, very intriguing that I was like wow I cannot believe that happened but the, the conversation we had they I was able to verify bits and pieces of what they were talking about so I've got no problem 
saying that this stuff is legit. There are athletes at BYU, and I would say, at, I'd venture to say, at, I'd say 100 plus other FBS institutions, and maybe even in all the institutions at the FBS level that are being pressured in this manner. The rich get richer. I know that that phrase has been around for eons, but it's, it, it's really become too true. We're seeing more and more of these conglomerations of high-level athletes, and it's being done via NIL. Free agency is alive and well in college sports, and that's the sad reality of things, but so far, BYU's been able to kind of uh, punch above its weight and keep a lot of the guys or gals in its fold at home, keep them in Provo versus having them exit and look for other opportunities elsewhere. Other programs are not so lucky, and BYU's been lucky enough to have uh, athletes like a Cody Epps or a Lauren Gustin most recently uh, decide to enter the transfer portal, look at their options, and then ultimately decide, you know what, BYU's where I want to be, and I'm, that's where I'm going to stay. That is not the reality in a lot of programs. But BYU's been lucky so far. Will they be so lucky moving forward? I can't guarantee that, but I just wanted to kind of kind of lift the lid and kind of shine a light a little bit on what's going on. It's not it's not a pretty pretty thing out there. Uh, the NIL stuff is there, and by the way, in certain circumstances, some of these athletes are being promised multiple different things, and when the reality comes of what they're actually receiving, it's two completely different situations. And I'm not uh, shining a light on any other program or programs out there. I'm just saying, from this person, this is this person's reference point is with regards to inside the BYU football program, and it's a very, very interesting dynamic that's at play here, and it's something that absolutely needs to be focused on. And until the NCAA or the United States uh, Congress slash Senate, the United States uh, Congress uh, House of Representatives, I'm trying to say, until Congress acts or NCAA decides to make a move and clean this up on their own, the sad part is this appears to be kind of be the status quo moving forward. And the sad part is I'm I'm not completely uh, convinced that it will not affect on-field production and on-field performance for some of these athletes because it is a very very loud thing in their ear and just you have to look very far I, I think to see the impact of some of these situations playing out in real time and that's that's the kind of the sad reality as I said of all this playing out so I, I don't necessarily know that I have a complete uh, conclusion or a I guess a diatribe I'm trying to deliver here. I guess I'm more just trying to kind of expose what the reality is going on. And it's, like I said, it it can be beneficial for all these student athletes with NIL. Let me be very clear about that. I I support them having the right to make money. I I support them in having the opportunity to transfer if their situation is in their best interest, interest to do so. But the sad fact of the matter is both of those two quote unquote rights these student athletes have are being being monopolized, leveraged, uh, being weaponized in a way to actually uh, induce them to make the move and almost force their hand in a way. And that that's not the way it's supposed to be. So uh, crazy, crazy stuff. But nonetheless, the more, the more I learn on this and anything I'm able to verify that type of stuff, I'll be happy to pass along. But on a happier note, uh, BYU football is projected to have a pretty decent season. If you believe DraftKings Sportsbook, they're one of the uh, big sports gambling properties out there in uh, the gambling realm. They put out their win totals, over-under win totals for each Big 12 football program. BYU among them for this upcoming fall. And like I said in the open, should be a very familiar number of 
to some of you, or I guess all of you, who've been listening to this podcast for any length of time. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, we're all uh, craving and watching the NBA playoffs. If you're not, you're missing out on some great basketball. I would encourage you guys to make a fast break to FanDuel during these NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get, can get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. The best part is they got great new promotions every single day, so if you check back daily, you have an opportunity to win in different formats. It's a safe and secure app. You don't have to worry about your information or your money being at risk, and the best part is you get paid out instantly. There's no having to hit a reserve to get paid out with some, like some other websites out there. FanDuel will pay you out the second you win, so if you want to cash in, do it right now. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sports book right now. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Cannot appreciate you guys. Uh, cannot say I... I can't uh, say, I, I I just butchered that, but thank you, I guess I should say, first off, for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for being an everyday right here with us on Locked On Cougars. The best part is, for those of you who are everydayers, uh, the best part is you guys get caught up on everything going on in BYU news. That's the goal here every single day. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on and get you a little more intel on the Baylor Bears. At least that's how we're uh, planning to go about it. Uh, Drake Atoll, who hosts Locked on Baylor Bears, will be joining the podcast. We'll do a little crossover edition to talk about BYU and Baylor. Do a little getting to know you once again uh, with the Baylor Bears, even if BYU's not playing them. Just call it a, a get-to-know-you series is what we'll doing here on the podcast let you guys get to know uh, BYU and uh, like I said Baylor uh, one of BYU's future conference mates obviously connected with them being a religiously affiliated university be interesting conversation I'm looking forward to it with Drake on tomorrow's podcast all right uh, DraftKings has uh, put out their over under win totals for each of the big 12 schools out there and uh, like I said, if you had BYU uh, going six and six, like I said, my benchmark for success for BYU this fall, well, guess what? You'd be hitting right on the number that DraftKings has set for BYU. They've set the over under win total for BYU at a flat six. It's not five and a half, it's not six and a half, it is six wins. So essentially, you have to either bet BYU is going bowling, uh, in essence, getting to six and six to push that number, or seven and five to win that bet, or you have to project that BYU will miss out on bowl season by going 5-7 and seven or worse going into the season. Now, I read some different articles about this. There are uh, such websites out there. I think Longhorns Wire, I think it was one of those I was reading. I can pull this over here. Yeah, Longhorns Wire actually said that they really think BYU is going to uh, surpass that number. They actually project BYU going 8-4. and four. And Now, 
A number of you have asked me, have had conversations with folks saying, okay, why did you project six and six, Jake, uh, going into the season? The, the biggest thing for me and BYU going six and six is because you don't necessarily expect BYU to go in and, and kick butt right away. I don't think anybody does. I think BYU knows what they're going up against. Their coaches have been very, very quick to point out that they're stepping up in a level of competition that they've never faced before on a game-in and game-out basis. Sure, BYU over the past uh, handful of years, three, four years, have played what I called a Power 5 adjacent schedule. What I mean by that is they played six, seven uh, Power 5 opponents every season, and that obviously uh, tested BYU's depth, and in some ways it was actually a very bad thing for their depth because they had a number of players go down and it affected their opportunities to win some handful of games that feels like they might otherwise have won uh, with their first-line guys or the front-line guys, uh, speaking of their first stringers. The, the situation BYU faces now is this season, for the first time ever, BYU is going to face a grand total of 10 Power 5 opponents. One of them non-conference, their big uh, marquee non-conference game, the road game down there in Fayetteville, Arkansas against the Razorbacks. Big game, and I obviously uh, hope to make the trip to that one. I'd very much uh, look forward uh, to watching BYU in SEC country. It's always a a treat uh, to watch BYU compete against the Southeastern Conference schools. In Arkansas, obviously, BYU will have some revenge on their mind after they came out to Provo and uh, uh, just stomped on BYU this past year. But then after that, you're right in the uh, Big 12 play, your first foray into Power 5 football, and you get no rest for the weary. Of course, you get a midseason bye, which obviously will help after five games. BYU will get that buy. Uh, they will need that, it feels like. None of these late-season buys uh, are what will help BYU in any way, shape, or form because the problem is is even uh, the, the dregs of the Power 5 levels in certain circumstances are far better than some of the G5 opponents, some of the better G5 opponents in certain circumstances that BYU played during their independent era. So the reason I settled on 6-6 six and six myself, and it appears that uh, DraftKings agrees with me, is that BYU, it's going to be a real interesting thing to see how the the kind of the ramp up, the, the build up to Big 12 play for BYU, how they did in that circumstance. If BYU truly did build quote unquote quality depth through all the transfer portal work they've been doing, by the way, they're supposed to be uh, welcoming some players this week and on into the weekend in terms of those wide receivers out there. I don't have names quite yet, but uh, I, I understand that BYU is chasing at least three wide receivers they're hoping to have visits from this week. Uh, any news I hear on that, I'll be happy to pass along. But BYU continues to obviously look for any and all options with regards to building building the depth in this program. I think Jay Hill came in under no illusions that he was going to have to rebuild BYU's defense essentially from the ground up, and I think a lot of the stuff we saw during spring ball was them getting back simply to basics. A lot of tackling drills, a lot of pursuit type stuff, working on angles, uh, how to best approach things, and the nice part is BYU, and, and I guess this goes for the entire program, they understand what they're going up against. I don't think Kalani Satake, Aaron Roderick, I, I already mentioned Jay Hill. I don't think any of them are under any illusion that they're going to waltz into the Big 12 and it's going to be like they competed in the Mountain West and the WAC for all those years where they were one of the big dogs in the conference. Sure, could BYU become the big dog down the road by some good fortune, obviously some good recruiting and investment in the program? Absolutely they could. The, the, the situation is right now, though, is they're going to have to build up to that. So that's why I guess I come down to, if you can get to 6-6 six and six this year for BYU, and I don't think that's an outlandish proposition for BYU, honestly. You're going to be 2-0 and o out of the gates. Or if you're not 2-0 and o out of the gates, my proposition for BYU going 6-6 six and six is going to look very foolhardy because you should uh, wallop Sam Houston State and you should smash Southern Utah. If you come out of that anything other than 2-0, and o, uh, well, guess what? 
any and all predictions for BYU season in terms of the under on that six win total, absolutely are in play. But if you get out of there two and zero, you start maybe potentially four and one. Well, guess what? On the back half of your schedule, where it's far tougher, and obviously it's going to be all Power Five opponents, the likes of Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Texas Tech, all in that bunch. You got to pick off two wins in that bunch. Could you go to Kansas in your first Big 12 game and shock the world and beat the Jayhawks in Lawrence? No, the Jayhawks were very up and down last year. Could you beat fellow newcomer Cincinnati the following week in your home opener as a Big 12 member? No, that's not out of the realm of possibility either. But the back half of the schedule is going to be very important for BYU to find at least two wins, it feels like, just kind of doing the math on what I see on paper right now for BYU to get to that 6-6 six and six mark. Anything beyond that, I- I've said this once, I'll say it again on this podcast, Anything beyond 6-6, six and six, that's gravy. That's the cherry on top. It's the icing on your uh, cupcake, whatever it is. Whatever analogy you want to use, that would be phenomenal. Uh, I had a buddy of mine ask me over the weekend. He texted me and said, "Okay, Jake, what's the, in in reality? If if everything in your mind goes right for BYU, if they like, if everything's right, Cleeton Slovis is a superstar. Aiden Robbins is running like a man amongst boys out there. The wide receiving core gets bolstered, and they're very very. Good. The defense is surprisingly." Uh, feisty everything I'm talking we're talking like the ball bounces their way they're plus in the turnover margin all the different things that need to go right for a great season for BYU and he asked me what do you think the true ceiling for BYU is this season and I said honestly nine and three I I just I it feels like BYU if they were to get to nine and three I would be like this is a phenomenal debut and the sad part is it would actually almost set the expectations a little too high for BYU uh, going into year two of the big 12 so I don't know. It's kind of a it's a double-edged sword here for BYU. You get to 6 and 6, obviously you've competed hard, you've been through some uh, I would imagine pretty uh solid battles against some of these opponents. You get a bowl game which in many respects a 6 and 6 bowl game out of the Big 12 probably outdo any of the bowl games BYU played as an independent uh, football program. That's just my personal opinion because the bowl alliance the or like the bowl guys contracts that the Big 12 has I think are much uh, better options bowl-wise the BYU could land in, but nonetheless, I actually really like the DraftKings as setting the bar here. It's not an outlandish number, like I said. Six and six, that's kind of the bare minimum expectation for BYU fans. I think many of you, and if you don't, I'll throw this out as a question of the day. If you want to respond via social media and let me know that I'm up in the night thinking that six and six should be the benchmark benchmark for success this year for BYU, let me know. But uh, DraftKings appears to think that I'm right on the number of what I'm thinking because I just think that if you can get to bull eligibility, that shows you're probably a, a decent program but still have room to grow. That's not a bad place to be for BYU. You don't necessarily want them to go out there and be gangbusters from the start unless, if you want to be gangbusters from the start and you can kind of keep that same, uh, I guess, level of play up and make that your reality every single year, well, guess what? BYU may be among the top tier of the conference before too long and far faster than I expected them to be. I like the idea of going in maybe being 6 and 6 and if all goes well maybe 7 and 5 but still understanding you know what we've still got growth to make we still have to obviously build our depth we still got to go out there and find better players to come into the system and run it there there's it's not a bad place to be I don't think for BYU to finish 6 and 6 7 and 5 this season and understand you know what there's still a long way to go here the nice part is once Texas and Oklahoma actually leave the Big 12 conference there is going to be a power vacuum there. Are are there going to be programs that step up in the interim and take uh, hold of the conference? Obviously. I I would imagine programs like Texas Tech, Baylor, Oklahoma State, all have the aspirations of being kind of these older old heads in a way 
in the conference, the the remaining eight, so to say, they are going to expect that they're going to run this conference. The nice part is for any of the four newcomers, and I'm including Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF alongside BYU here, they got to be thinking, if we play our cards right and we continue to work diligently, obviously win some recruiting battles along the way, have some good fortune on the football field, there's no, there's no reason to think that they can't climb into that upper echelon of the conference, but it is going to take a lot of work, a lot of investment, and that that's the thing about this is. So I guess, I, I guess I'm reiterating a point I've made time and time again, but 6-6, six and six, that is where BYU's expectation levels should be. I guess the bare minimum expectation for BYU. Get to a bowl game in 2023. You do that, I would say, hey, thumbs up, way to go, guys. Now get back to work. Let's see what you guys can do for an encore uh, in 2024 and beyond. So let me know. I I guess that's the question of the day. Do you agree that 6-6 six and six should be the benchmark for BYU's success, or uh, the measurement, I guess, for success? Should be that be the bar that BYU should have to clear in 2023? If not, let me know what the record should be. Do you think BYU's going to have a losing record? Do you think they're going to surpass all expectations, maybe push for 8-4, and 9-3? and three? I'd love nothing more than to hear back from you guys. Hit us up on social media. Hit us in the YouTube comments. We'd love nothing more than to hear from you guys and get your take on where you think BYU will land uh, at the end of this season coming up in December. All right, uh, we'll finish out today's show with a couple other notes uh, from the weekend that was in BYU sports, as well as a quick book, uh, quick look back. Uh, I, one of the other games, uh, one of the other games BYU played in their independent era, the third game of the 2016 season. We get back to our 155 game retrospective on all the games BYU played as an independent football program. We'll get to all of that as we continue on right here. Unlocked on Cougars. First, a word on our friends over at Perry Homes. Been a longtime sponsor with us over the last few months and cannot thank them enough for their patronage. Whether you're looking for your first home, you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you, my friends. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs. The best part is they got communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties, even multiple communities down in Washington County near St. George. If you want to get under Red Rock Country, the best part is they offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes to customize your home. It's your home, folks. Customize it to your needs. They even have quick move-in homes available if you're ready to move now and they're offering generous financing incentives to their preferred lender as well to get you on the path to home ownership today. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com today to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com for 50 years. Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, my friends. If you have not done so already, a quick uh, thank you to all of you who have supported the podcast. But if, not, if you have not done so already, a quick request. Uh, please uh, like the show. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, please hit that follow button and also hit the bell icon to enable notifications there. If you're listening to it on the regular podcast feeds, I, I, no matter where you're listening in from, please leave a rating and review if you're able to do so on your podcast provider. The most notable of those, obviously, is Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five star review, uh, five, a five star rating, as well as a review of what you like about the podcast, a comment or two. If you want to respond to today's question of the day in the comments section on Apple Podcasts, hey, that works too. I will 
will see it all the same. But a big thank you for doing that in advance if you have not done so already. And a big thank you to the thousands of you who have already done so. Uh, I cannot say thank you enough for you guys' support of this venture. All right. Before we go on today's show, let's take a quick look back at BYU football. Actually, no, excuse me. I should I, I get this out of the way first. Uh, we've been going through all 155 games of BYU's independent era. And those of you who've been listening to the podcast since the new year, essentially, uh, we have cruised through the first five seasons of BYU's independent era. And we have now turned the page to the Kalani Satake era. And we talked uh, most recently about BYU's hard-fought loss at Utah in Kalani Satake's first game against the Utes, a wild Wild game, Kalani getting an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Well, BYU had a very quick turnaround as they had to face off against UCLA in Provo. Now, the UCLA UCLA Bruins were led by Josh Rosen, and we all know that Josh Rosen... His NFL career has not uh, taken off to the point that many of us thought it might uh, as he was playing at UCLA. In this game, he was 26 of 40 for 307 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception, but he was not really the story of the game here for UCLA. UCLA's defense was. They came into this game in Provo and absolutely put the clamps on BYU for three uh, for two and a half quarters, essentially. Uh, Taysom Hill ended up passing for just 250 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. He was sacked four times. Uh, Kalani Satake actually talked about uh, they had uh, had conversations at halftime of this game, it was a 10-0 game at the half. Ended up being 17-0 before BYU finally got on the board to make it 17-7 midway through the third quarter. But Kalani talked about the fact that BYU actually had conversations in the locker room about potentially benching Taysom Hill and bringing in Tanner Mangum. Now, some of you might recall this era of BYU. There was conversation, well, if Tanner's the more pure passer, why is he not running BYU's offense? Taysom Hill, maybe he isn't the answer for BYU. Well, we all know that Taysom ended up having a pretty good campaign, all things considered. But this was one of those games that kind of highlighted some of his inefficiencies as a passer. The bigger thing for BYU in this game is the fact that they ran 25 times for a grand total of 23 yards. Yes, that is 0.9 yards per carry, folks. When you cannot run the football, you are not going to win football games. Now, UCLA also struggled running the football. They ran for a grand total of 50 yards on 34 carries, so a paltry 1.5 yards per carry, but it was just enough for them to get out of Provo with that 17-14 to victory. BYU had a touchdown late, a 91-yard drive that actually almost gave them a third of their total yardage for the game. I uh, got it to 17-14, but that was all she wrote and B- as BYU fell to 1-2 and uh, two on the season and obviously uh, not starting the campaign they wanted to uh, with B- with uh, Kalani Satake taking over as BYU's head coach. Uh, I remember watching this game. I was in attendance at it, covering it, and I'm just like, man, BYU, they're finding themselves in kind of the teeth of a defense that I didn't anticipate UCLA's defense being as good as it was in this game. But alas... Uh, it's kind of what it ended up being uh, for BYU as they lost this one. And then they had a very tough game in the following week. It was it was the start of this campaign for Kalani Sitake. Four Power 5 opponents in a row to start the season. Now, only uh, two of them truly on the road. Excuse me. You know, only one of them truly on the road. Two of them neutral site, though. So, obviously, BYU's traveling quite a bit. The only home game was that game against UCLA we just talked about. Uh, but we'll talk about what happened against West Virginia on tomorrow's podcast. And it was another heartbreaker in a way for BYU. But uh, that's kind of the story of this season is what could have been in certain circumstances of BYU's uh, campaign, the first campaign under Kalani Satake. But the final thing before we go on today's show uh, is the BYU is already working in the transfer portal once again. Reports came out yesterday. I guess it's not a report. It was Johnny Carter, uh, a converted uh, cornerback for the Utah State football program, had a very, very good season last year with nine starts for the Aggies. He reported BYU has offered him a scholarship, uh, 24-7 sports that he had originally planned to visit BYU here in the 
the relatively near future. Could they pick up another cornerback uh, who had a pretty good season this past year from Logan to bolster their back end? I said it last week, last Friday on the podcast for you everydayers out there, that at BYU was looking for one or two cornerbacks in the transfer portal, and this could answer the question for at least one year because Carter only has one year of eligibility. He's a grad transfer, uh, spent uh, four years up at Utah State, but now looking for another opportunity. Uh, you could do a lot worse than bringing in a guy like this. Very, uh, bringing in a guy like this because he was fairly productive last year. I think 44 total tackles, like I said, nine career starts. A guy who made the transition to playing cornerback in in his high in his college days after playing wide receiver uh, throughout his high school career, but. I really like what I saw from Carter. I, I watch a little more Utah State than most because I work with them at the KSL Sports Zone in my day job and really impressed with the, kind of the moxie of this young man. He doesn't have a lot of experience playing cornerback. He really only saw time extensively last year. But what he showed on the field last year were tools that I think BYU could work with, obviously. And he probably doesn't come in and figure to start right away. I don't think he'd probably be a backup for BYU. But like I said, they're looking for one or two guys on the back end of that defense to bolster their depth at that cornerback spot. And as we talked about earlier on today, crazy things are happening in the transfer portal. So at, at, at all times, you've got to be on guard with regards to building your depth and bringing in pieces that in certain circumstances may be called upon in a higher or maybe called upon to a higher degree than you may have originally anticipated them doing so. It, We'll see what happens. But Johnny Carter, the latest in terms of offers I'm hearing out of BYU, and like I said, any other recruiting news that comes out, we'll be happy to cover it for you guys right here on Locked On Cougars. So that's going to do it for this Monday edition of the show. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. Obviously, a big thank you to all of you for your support of the podcast, as always. Got some fun things cooked up this week. Like I said, we're going to have a conversation with Drake Toll from Locked On Baylor coming up tomorrow. Planning to talk uh, with Locked On Bearcats. Talk about the Cincinnati Bearcats later this week as well. So a fun week ahead, and obviously we'll have more uh, kind of interspersed throughout with all the news going on in BYU Sports on a daily basis. So a big thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. If you have not done so already, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show as mentioned. And as always, thank you for being an everyday right here on the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked on College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.